0: We went to a diner after, and she said, Oh, honey, you were the best thing on that stage. And I was like, Thank you so much. And then she said, It's not a compliment, it's a problem. And then she said, My love, if you want to play it small, that's fine, but you're playing small. If you want to do something else, you have to be in rooms that scare the shit out of you.
1: Oh, and welcome to No Name NYC Podcast. Uh, if you're joining us again, thanks for joining us again. If you're here for the first time, man, pull up a chair, get get close to the fire, warm up. Uh, unless you're in a really hot place, then fuck all that. But um, we want to welcome you. Um, today's guest, the voice you heard up front, is John Andrew Morrison. Now, uh, Broadway people probably know who he is. He was nominated for a Tony Award in the current Best Musical, Tony Award-winning Best Musical, A Strange Loop. And he was nominated for uh, Best uh, Supporting Actor in that. He's also won uh, an Obie Award and Lucille Lortel Award for the same role in the same show. He also, uh, a couple of years ago, was, was uh, honored for his work in the play Blues for an Alabama Sky, Uh, which is thrilled to death that he was able to join us. Uh, We tried a little something on this one. We'll we'll see how it works out. But, you know, for most of the podcast, we've been recording in different places. We've recorded in Central Park. We've recorded in Prospect Park. We've gone to people's homes. We've done all sorts of things. And uh, John Andrew, uh, his work schedule is so busy um, he agreed to do it, but we, we tried doing it via a phone call, and what we were trying to do is I said, I told him before before we did this, I'm like, you know, pretend we're sitting at an outdoor cafe. He was actually, I believe, in his apartment uh, where producer Gary Hardcastle and I were actually outside at a, at a table in a park, and uh, at some point you can hear a, an ambulance going by, and uh, there are street noises. On our end, I don't know what's going to come after post-production, uh, but we tried to simulate the feel of sitting at an outdoor cafe. I'm not sure if we succeeded, but it was a great conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, so sit back and relax. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I want to give you guys a, a follow-up. Last time, uh, our last episode, our conversation with Ophira Eidenberg, uh, at the beginning of the program, I was talking about my long-running uh, mutual loathing and, and and difficult history with Halloween. Um, uh, well, if you're listening to this, when this drops, it will be December 1st and uh, Halloween will have come and gone. And I'm happy to report. I think the curse is lifted. Uh, I accepted an invitation. My dear friend, Liana, invited me to a Halloween party. Liana is a great host and she's a great thrower of parties. And she gave me... An invite, and I decided it's time. It's been three decades since I've gone to a Halloween party, and I gave it a shot. And she sensed I was reluctant and said, look, you don't have to wear a costume, but you could even just come as the blind guy, if you'd like. Uh, (laughs) Many of you know, I have a condition that has robbed me of almost all of my eyesight in the last couple of years. Uh, And when she said that, I had to laugh because I was kind of a step ahead of her. I knew what I was going to do. I, when I was a boy, someone gave me a book of magazine cartoons by a a wonderful cartoonist named Sam Gross, who always signed his cartoons, S. Gross. And on the cover of this book was a shady looking blind guy standing on a corner and, uh, the implication was that he was just a hustler uh, and he's wearing the dark glasses and he's got the coffee cup to collect change and he's got a leash with a dog in front of whom uh, him who is uh, lying on the ground sleeping and he's wearing a sign that says, I am blind and my dog is dead. That's how I went to the Halloween party. Uh, I had uh, a friend get me a stuffed dog uh, <laughs> wearing sunglasses, which I thought was perfect. And so I had this stuffed dog on the leash that I dragged around the party all night. Uh, And I had another friend, uh, my friend Jeff, made me a sign that says, I am blind and my dog is dead. Uh, And when I got to the party, when I got to the building where the party was, I'm waiting for the elevator with my seeing eye human. And uh, a couple of other friends came into the building. And they're like, oh, Eric, good to see you. And turn around. Let me see what you are. And they saw the sign. And my friend Gabby just looks at me and says, wow, Eric, that's, that's really dark. I'm like, yes, yes, I've, I've clearly made the right choice. Um, and I went and and we had a great time. And uh, the highlight was they had a costume contest and they actually invited me to be one of the three judges, uh, which was totally fucking hilarious. Uh, as everyone showed off their costumes one by one. Uh, the one judge said something nice. I guess he was like the Paula Abdul of the thing. Uh, and then it came to me, and I just, for every costume, regardless of it, I just said, I don't like it. And they got appropriate laughs and groans as the time went on, so that was even better. And, and then Liana herself weighed in with an actual critique of, of, of the costumes. And uh, so it went well. The The winning costume was great. Uh, it was someone wearing, uh, dressed as Little Red Riding Hood, and in her basket was the head of a wolf. That was awesome. I do want to say something, though. Uh, when I told the story last time uh, about my my troubled history with, with Halloween, I mentioned that the last party I went to was thrown by uh, somebody I did not like, and I was trying to uh, weave a little bit of a tale. I, I said that My girlfriend wanted to go to a party thrown by someone I didn't like. And then she said, no, actually, I want to go to this other party that was thrown by somebody I really didn't like. And I was just spinning a tail. I didn't include names, but I guess I'm not good at this sort of thing uh, because it really bothered me that I said that because the person who threw that party was actually somebody that I liked. There were people at that party I didn't want to see. But just in case Jake Ann Jones is listening, um, <laughs> what are the odds? But uh, I really, I really liked her, and I hope she's doing well. She was super talented and really smart, and uh, just, just a lovely person. And uh, I would hate to think she heard that. Like, and I'm feeling like if I'm trying to break the Halloween curse, I have to acknowledge that that bothered me. So, got that out of the way, I can break the curse, and I'll, I'll, I'll conclude uh, my tale of Halloween. Uh, 2022, was saying on Halloween uh, on the actual day, my Google assistant. You've heard me whine about my Google assistant. Uh, my my Google assistant was being more of an asshole than usual. And at one point, I was just I was just so fed up. I was like, I wonder what it would say. And I said, "Hey Google." Pause. I said, "Boo." And this is what happened. There's a slight pause, and then said, "Oh, have you been a ghost all along? I should have guessed." So uh, I think that's it. I think that I have officially broken the curse for Halloween. So thank you, Liana, for inviting me. And thank you all for listening. If you're still listening, don't worry. We're going to get to the great interview with John Andrew Morrison uh, in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsor. Get away to Green Bay. Get away to Green Bay. Yes, that's right, the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. Where your innkeepers, Tom and Linda Stieber, will greet you and make you feel at home in any of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have their own bath, and some of which even have a jacuzzi. Now, Bed and Breakfast. This is a Bed and Breakfast. You ever go to a Bed and Breakfast and think, I'd rather not have the breakfast? Or maybe you wake up and there was almost no breakfast and it's all gone by the time you got there. Or you do get there and there's like a couple of strips of bacon, maybe one or two turkey sausages, a box of half-eaten cereal, and some questionable fruit. That will never happen to you at the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast, where nothing is more majestic than the fresh, homemade, yummy, scrumptious their breakfasts are amazing and are worth the trip alone and after breakfast if you want to know what's going on in green bay what's fun to do what restaurants do you need to check out well ask tom and linda they know everything they're totally connected there and they will see to it that you have a blast every second you are up there so what do you want to do you want to make some reservations you got some questions Check them out online. Go to www.asterhouse.com. That is asterhouse. A S T O R H O U S E. dot com. Escape to Green Bay today.
2: I know your time is precious, so uh, I, I, I want to get to what's most important. Explain to me about Pick a Patty.
0: Ah, <laughs> um, pick a pick a pair of patties is a uh, is a fabulous game that's sweeping the nation, and it's a uh, it's uh, a scenario game that I play with my friend James Jackson Jr. Uh, we have a podcast that we do called Who is podcast also in the pl- with- in the show, right? Yes, he is. He is. Um, uh, awesome. He's Also in a strange Loop with me. Um, and it's uh, so the 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 directions are in the title right like you have to pick a Mm -hmm. pair of patties and so um usually the scenario is something like there's a bank robbery um and you need to pick a heavy and a getaway driver so the heavy is the person who goes in with a gun and goes give me all your money and then of course the getaway driver is waiting outside to like drive you Mm -hmm. away and so you have to pick your pair of patties who are going to help you with this robbery and your pair of patties um you, you have to choose from Patti LaBelle, Patti LaBelle, Patti LaPone, or Patti Murin, Broadway's Patty Patti Muren. and so um, oh, okay, it's okay. really it's really a, a scenario game where like you you kind of let like, go. Well, why did you pick those two? And and um, you know, well, why? Yeah. So it's,
2: it's usually I, a lot. You, of you know, you say it's sweeping the nation, but I'm thinking it also it should be sweeping therapist o- offices around the country. You know, like you, you could, <laughs> You know, get, you can create a profile on how they answer that. You know, <laughs>
0: I think it is, <laughs> the
2: awesome. I don't think it is. <laughs> Well, don't somebody's getting some royalties it. over it, but now, this, <laughs> this is actually this is actually uh, part of
0: something that you do in your podcast, right? Yeah, so um it's um it's just a game that we we play. So our, our podcast is called Five Questions with James and James. And um it's really uh something that we did in the pandemic because James and I were um lonely and missing each other and so we started like to just have these conversations with one another on Instagram and then we were like, it'd be fun to like bring in some other people. And so uh, I found this platform, StreamYard, and we were able to do this, like, video um, show uh, online, and it became so much fun. And so the way that the the podcast or the the thing works is, you know, we, of course, have our segments, and, like, we have our intro segments, and we have a segment where we kind of just, like, chat about whatever we want to chat about for, like, three minutes. And then we intro mm-hmm. the person and then we ha- we ask them five questions. And really and truly it's much more than five questions, you know, because we're gabbers. <laughs> um but then after Well that sounds we like something- a plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then after we do something which is called the quick five, which is like a, a game. Um and um one of the, one of the games is pick a pair of patties. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I, Alex told me about that and I it just, I love that concept. Like, I got to check. Now, is this, is this ongoing now that we have like at least taken one step out of pandemic?
0: I mean, we're, we're still in it, but you know, um,
2: is this well, ongoing?
0: So we did like a, uh, so we did a whole season one of the, of the podcast and, um, that's available online and at like, you know, where you do your podcasting five questions with James and jam. And then we did like, um, uh, some kind of mini episodes, uh, during, uh, the, the Broadway run of the show. And so we did about, I want to say like eight or nine mini episodes. And there were things like we basically introed. um, the backstage crew and like all the things that were going on in our in our mm. theater. Um and so that is season two of our show. Just because like um the 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 getting of um people and the, the setting up of 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 doing the podcast became a little bit much while we were doing the 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 show on Broadway. Um but it was <laughs> yeah. fun. You know, just a little. But it was it was um but it was fun to kinda like uh kinda introduce all of these people and things that were going on with the Lyceum because the Lyceum is um it's kind of a special theater. It's the it's the oldest, longest continuous running Broadway theater. And so um it also houses uh the Schubert archives. So above our dressing rooms, um in the in the theater are like another I want to say like six floors of um just archives and it's over a hundred years of of, of theater archives um that live in our theater and um so we were able to like introduce um viewers to the archivists who work in our theater every day and um to the, the incredible crew that we have and and then we did things like dressing room tours because, like, some of our castmates have had the extra effort to like decorate and deck out their dressing room. Mm. I have not, um, so <laughs> I was like, oh, busted. Let's, yeah, so I was like, oh, let's show you and your wonderful, nice, decked-out dressing room. Um, my <laughs> dressing room is is very basic. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, if, if one is fortunate enough to get invited back there,
0: one should not be complaining about decor. Well, this is true. I mean, and that was that <laughs> was part of the thing because of because of COVID restrictions and, um, especially at the beginning of when we we're doing the show and what the COVID restrictions were. I mean, we were being at one point in time we were being PCR tested every day, every single day. Yeah. Um, and um, and so there was very much a very lockdown of who got in backstage of who Mm -hmm. was able to like cross between the front of house and backstage. And so, um, yeah, nobody, you know, nobody's really allowed backstage anymore because it's very much a closed environment. Um, that makes sense. Um, so. And you guys, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, you guys almost,
2: uh, Almost had your Broadway opening delayed because of of stuff going on with
0: that, right? Yes, yeah, so uh, our previews um, uh, kind of got really uh, well, yeah, so the, so the so the first preview, the Broadway debut of our show, um, I was not able to perform that day, and so I sat in the audience because the way that the COVID restrictions work with um, the union. Is like at at that time. I mean, they might they may have changed now, but once you got a positive mm. test, you had to be out from the backstage area for ten days, right? Um, right. And so, I um, my ten days would not have been up until the second preview. Um, or mm. or my day my day ten was the day of the first preview which meant I couldn't be backstage, but I wasn't contagious or anything. I had, like, tested negative. Um, mm-hmm. But the next day, um, I had, I made my Broadway debut. So I had the, uh-huh. the very weird um, uh, honor of being in the audience for the Broadway debut of our show <laughs> and watching <laughs> watching my understudy go on.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: man, that that's is- you
2: know what, uh, uh, you, uh, well, you know, the, first of all, this, this is such a special show, um, the, the musical, Best Musical uh, mm-hmm. for the past year, for which you were nominated for Best Supporting Actor, correct? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so talk to me about A Strange Loop, uh, th- that, this seems like it's been an insane ride from the beginning, and i, I I, I I haven't been in on the beginning, but I, I caught you somewhere when you guys were off-Broadway. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, So, I mean, so A Strange Loop is uh, uh, basically a musical about a fat, gay, black uh, musical theater writer who's an usher at a Broadway theater who's writing a musical about a fat, gay, black man who is writing a musical about being an usher at a Broadway theater, who's writing a musical about a fat gay black man (laughs) with an usher um, at a musical, writing a musical about, right? So basically... So um, to be
2: clear, there are no singing cats.
0: There there are no singing cats. There are no singing cats. (laughs) Um, Maybe someone goes to space. Who knows? You just have to come and see. (laughs) Um, um, But um, but basically, it's it's about... uh, uh, a gay black man who's kind of dealing with um his identity his um his his sense of self loathing growing up with the guilt of um religion and trying not to disappoint um his family all, while trying to be authentic to his own uh artistic impulses and the challenges and the I mean, with our show it's mainly challenges, but at the end there is something there's something um quite close to transcendence and redemption that happens to mm-hmm. our hero Usher. Um so it's um, you know, a very unique and special and um incredible show and I've had the privilege of being um in in almost all of the workshops for many, many years. I think I missed one workshop. Um, but um yeah, uh it's been the greatest um honor and, and pleasure of my life and it completely changed my career. So I'm so so grateful for Michael and, and this show and, and the blessing that, that is a strange loop for me.
2: Yeah, it it's an amazing story and I'm curious because I uh, you know, I I'm a, a bit familiar with the the work of, of the composer Michael R. Jackson, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. And right, um, he's
0: done some of their cabarets, right? That done a couple uptown Yeah, he
2: was he was a featured composer uh for our Uptown cabaret series uh yeah. at the former uh Indian Road Cafe up in Inwood. Uh and that's ah. where I actually that's actually where I met you when you were, I think yes. you were singing a song from, from Rachel Peters when she was a featured composer, correct?
0: Yes, yeah, 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 I did, I did. I, I
2: think and and we, we need to address that song afterwards. <laughs> but uh, what, I, what I what I wanted to ask you, though, is that because you were involved in this, this special show for so many years, uh, I, I wondered, was there, at what point did you think, I mean, did you think from the beginning that you had any shot at getting to Broadway with this thing
0: <clears throat> no um uh and and that was kind of um part and parcel the joy of doing it, right like um, you know, Michael kind of invited me in, and i guess I guess the first time we did it, maybe there was like a hmm maybe. Um, because the the, the very first time we did it, it was a very different show, right? So Mm. it wasn't a a show about a man and his thoughts. Um, It was about this man struggling to kind of like figure out his voice as a writer. Mm. But the first first time we did it, Usher was, uh, well, the actor who played Usher in those readings was, this very skinny, beautiful man. You know what I mean? Um, uh. It was just a very, very different show, and, um, and it was cast very, very differently. Um, when Stephen Brackett, who is you know, our director on this Broadway show, kind of came into the, the picture and was like, hey, let's develop this further, and Musical Theater Factory started, and they invited Michael to be a part of that. He
2: was the mm. one who
0: said, well, what if it was all black, gay men? Um, and um, and that kind of, like, opened up something for Michael. And that was when the idea of, like, thoughts came in, where it was, like, this, this character now wrestling with thoughts, and the thoughts could then become anything. Um, so once he started playing with that idea, and he started to really shape it and form it, um, none of us thought it would um, make it because it was so very, very black and so very, very queer and so mm-hmm. audacious, you know, from the very be- beginning. Um, that we're like- I, <laughs> I like that know. it addresses that right up front. Oh yeah, I mean, like it was like, I don't know that anybody's gonna touch it because like, you know, which, which like theater is going to want to put this on their, you know, season and have their subscribers be l- offended. Like, you know, what mm-hmm. what we knew that he was doing was speaking very honestly to not only his um, kind of own experience, but to the experience of, uh, all, you know, everyone who was in the room helping to develop the piece. Right. Like we, yeah. we very much were able to kind of go, oh, my gosh, me too, on several different things that were going on in the thing. And th- there was an honesty and a specificity about the play that was so exciting that I think that's why we all came back. We all kept coming back um, mm-hmm. because it kind of spoke to, to our experience, you know, but was that, was yeah. that going to be something that, um that uh, audiences were going to, to want to watch or want to see? We didn't, we didn't know that. And so Michael even was like, yeah this thing is never going to be produced but um <laughs> as a writer and and as a creator and as someone wanting to um you know I think he kept coming back to it almost as a as a little bit of an exercise or a little bit of a challenge to stay creative you know and mm-hmm. to stay and to go well if I wanna develop this moment, how do I develop this moment? If I wanna do you know what I mean? And and, and yeah. I think we were all very much interested in just coming back to kind sort of serve that development process and um so for many years none of us were thinking that this thing would ever be cast uh, you know, yeah. for a Broadway show. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think one thing that, that kinda of knocked me out when I saw it was that you know, I mean, I don't know what happened from its inception to where it landed on Broadway, but it didn't come across as something that had made any kind of compromises to be, you know, more broad appeal. Yeah. No singing, no singing cats, You know.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I
2: I really I I I just you know what you know I I I saw you. Uh, we we came to visit you after. Uh, yeah. we saw the show in the first week, and my first thought when I when I, when I left, I, I was talking with our mutual friend Alex Tude, who has been a past podcast guest, and um, I, I you know oh, I Alex. said to us like I can't imagine what this must feel like, because I'm sure as as a small human, you know, whatever your first inclinations to performing were, whatever, this was not something that you would have even seen as like this is in the scope of something that's going to happen one day, you know,
0: not in that yeah. way. Yeah. You yeah. You
2: know, I mean,
0: because also I think like, you know, I mean, the business of show is a business of show and, 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 you know, maybe that's also kind of like part and parcel of why we're closing um, in January is that it feels sometimes like there are certain stories or certain kind of things that are acceptable to audiences, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. don't know that, like, they're like, every black story I don't know um, gets aired on a stage. You know what I mean? And so they're like certain narratives or certain um, things that are kind of like acceptable to be in a season for a theater. And, um, And, and, and this did not fit that bill in any way, shape, or form. And so, <laughs> and so I think for us who we were like, well, no, I mean, it, it pokes fun at things like it pokes fun at some of those, uh, kind of like season announcements that you would get, you know, from certain theaters and like, yeah. um, you know, the, the Broadway season announcement, like, you know, okay. Yeah, this show, this show would never, ever, ever make it on any of those lists. And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just it's it's it, it's it's wonderful that playwrights kind of went, all right, let's take let's take the the chance on it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And um, and somehow we we got some people who were brave enough to go, okay all right let's let's try let's do this let's let's make it happen you know and yeah. so I'm grateful because it 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 completely changed my career i think i think it also changed um you know uh, hopefully it will change some possibilities for what kind of stories are allowed to be told um mm-hmm. I've heard from like other Playwrights, and there have been other writers who have come to see the show and they're like, wow, I thought I was being brave and then I saw this, <laughs> you
2: know? <laughs> or,
0: they say, or, they, or they say things like, I thought I was being specific and then I saw this, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um,
0: so hopefully it will allow for more specificity and more, you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, it, it
2: just it, a million congratulations on what what you all have achieved, and uh, it was just it, it was just fun seeing someone who's done a no name show up on a Broadway stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so God. so look, I I I know uh, our, our overall uh, time frame here is somewhat limited, and our podcast is actually specifically about the. Uh, Experience of of being a performer in New York City, so I do have to uh, touch on you, John Andrew Morrison. Um, yes. You're not originally from New York, are you?
0: Mm mm I grew up in Kingston, Where do you Jamaica? hail from? I hail okay. from Kingston, Jamaica. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it's so funny. Um, as a as a young kid, um, I spent growing up. I spent almost Pretty much every summer in New York. So school would really? end in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So school would mm. end in Jamaica, and I would end up coming to my Aunt Claudia's house in Elmhurst, Queens, and um, mm. and I would um, I would spend the summers like roaming all around New York, right? Um, so mm. uh, I had a I had a childhood friend, Joey. Um, who lived um, down the street from my Aunt Claudia. And so Joey and I would pal around. And then my cousins, who um, I have... So I come from uh, a pretty big family. Um, uh, both my mom and my dad are the second children of nine. And so my ah. um, my Aunt Claudia, I have... My cousin Patricia is, I think, 15 years older than me and then my cousin Gina I- and my sister are 10 years older than me and then I mm-hmm. have cousins who are like 10 and 20 years younger than me and then I have a whole collection that are um my age but when <laughs> I would come up for the summer uh my cousin my cousins would take me to see Broadway shows so my ah. audio would be like Get the hell out of the house, and at the time in New York, you could get two for a Broadway show, and they weren't right. that expensive. So like we we um we saw everything. We would just go to the TKTS line and and go see shows. And um <laughs> that that uh, right there is a New York tradition without a doubt. Oh, so, the two
2: <laughs> Yeah, and, and standing in line at the TKTS booth. That's, yes, yes, That's kind of like a a must New York experience. What, 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 yes. what, what excited you that you saw as a kid? What, what did you get off on when you saw it?
0: Um, so I remember seeing like Peter Pan with Sandy Duncan, and I saw Annie. I saw the tap dance kid. Um, oh, my gosh. The one, that, the one that I remember vividly, vividly, um, I was a mm-hmm. little bit older then, um, was Dreamgirls. Um, that one like, ah. in my mind I saw La Caja <laughs> on Broadway I mean I saw a lot I, like uh, we, we we ended up seeing a lot a lot of shows and um, you know it became like a thing too because like my mom would be up and my mom would always be kind of like I want to see this one so we would go we saw plays we saw you name it we saw a lot <laughs> so at what point does the acting bug hit you I mean, the acting bug hit me. I mean, so it started off, of course, being in the audience, and you know, I remember being very young, and um, I tell the story a lot because, like, you know, sometimes the innocence or the wonder of kids or just the stupidity. Um, like, you know, I would, I would, <laughs> that's I just would, in line, would, my friend. <laughs> I know, right? I would, I would watch someone leave from stage left. And then they come mm-hmm. on stage right and be like, oh, how'd they do that? Right? Like, they left <laughs> that side, they came on that side. And, you know, um, yeah. it never occurred to me as a small child that they just walked behind the set. Um, I, I like <laughs> to me, the people walking off went into some other special, spectacular world that, um, that I was like, what's, what is that? What's happening? What's happening? And so yeah. um I was always like fascinated and excited and thrilled by it. Um and then I think really the performance bug I, I don't know, there was always an inkling that uh that was going to be uh somehow in my life some way. And here comes the sirens of New York <laughs>
2: You may be indoors, but we're outside in the streets of New York. The sirens are coming to get
0: you, Eric.
2: <laughs> that ain't a new story, my friend.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think when I uh was in high school and I and I did um my first kind of musical with um Jamaica Musical Theatre Company, I was kind of like. Uh, I love this. Oh wow! And then, and then it really hit when I went to college. I went to Brandeis, mm-hmm. and um, and I and I ended up getting cast in a theater department so I, show. So, um, forgive
2: me. I w- I want to ask. Um. So, you mentioned you went to Brandeis. So, you when you were younger, you were coming back and forth between here and Kingston, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. So when when did you? did you make the move for college or when, when did you land here to stay for a while?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, when I moved to college was when I moved here. Um, to, okay. To, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was when, yeah, I do remember that day when, um, you know, you get the, the one way ticket. <laughs> you <laughs> you know? had that moment. Yeah. Like, Oh, Oh my gosh. It's not a round trip ticket. Like, you know, my parents have a round trip ticket. I have a one way ticket. Okay, I guess I live here now. You know,
2: and thus the world changes.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so,
2: so you're a theater major at Brandeis.
0: Yeah, and um, and then that was really where I think the acting bug um kind of took hold. Um. There was a, a, a the head of the undergraduate theater department there, uh, kind of took me under his wing, and um and um my year at Brandeis there were like a bunch of like really go getter um performers and and um so he had like he had fun with us right so like mm. my year and the the two years ab- above us. Um and the year like the years my freshman year but then like those two years above us. Um, yeah, we did we did all kinds of shows and to this day I'm still friends with a lot of those people like to this day. You know, um Oded and my friend Odin and my friend Morgan and um Rachel and stuff, you know, they were all my year or, or years ahead of us, but we did all manner of shows together and it was um it was really Wonderful! It was a, a wonderful, wonderful time.
2: Nice, nice. So, so once you're out, how does this journey begin? Have you made the decision to pursue this professionally, or are you still wavering?
0: Um. So, I mean, you know, when I was in Boston, I started to work professionally. So, even though I was doing stuff in the theater department, I was actually also starting to work. Um, professionally in the Boston area. Um, the great thing about like Boston is um, a, 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 and that area is um, you know, you can really you can get professional credits. It's a it's a, it's kind of a small pond, right? You know. Um, mm-hmm. and so I was starting to do auditions for small professional theaters and getting the the Equity weeks and all of that, and um, and by the time uh, my senior year rolled around and I was getting ready to graduate. I ended up auditioning and getting cast in a show at ART, which is like a big professional theater um, mm-hmm. in the Boston area. And, um, and uh, I ended up doing this musical, this crazy musical, crazy, crazy, crazy show that was like fantastic um, called Ubu Rock. Oh mm-hmm. it should be produced It should be produced right now it's so good um and um uh, there were a bunch of people who were in the show from u c s d and the guy who was directing was also from u c s d and um I kind of knew that I wanted to go to grad school like I knew that I was a good performer, I knew that I could sing I knew that i could um you know i th- that, that 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 there was a there was something engaging about what I was doing on stage but um I knew that I I needed some more um training you know and um mm-hmm. so I applied to UCSD and I got in and and I and I would and I would say that that was was where I I honed and really became a, a an actor actor rather than a mm-hmm.
3: performer yeah
2: yeah and there, that is a distinction so yeah. um so uh, when did the leap to New York come?
0: So after after grad school, you know, we had our showcase and I moved to New York and um I had the worst showcase season ever of 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 any actor in the world. Um so oh, I, I moved moved back to the east coast and no agent wanted to hire me and uh you know, no agent wanted to represent me and I didn't have my equity card, and says, "Oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess I'll go wait in the non-equity line again." And you know, like my classmates were making Broadway debuts and on TV and stuff, and I, and I literally couldn't get mm. in the door. Um, and so I um I just um started kind of like making the rounds, and I was like, you know, uh, what I am and how I present as a as a as a human being as an as a as a performer, I was like, well, I guess, you know, the commercial theater doesn't really want what I have, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I was always a a big guy and um, at the time, you know, they wanted their big black guys to be thugs or basses and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't really have that kind of uh, energy. And so um, the commercial theater, Broadway, and all of that really wasn't presenting anything uh, viable to me, um, or I wasn't viable to them, I should say, you know? And so mm-hmm. I found the the, the independent um, and the off-off Broadway community, and um, I started working um, at Manhattan Theatre Source a lot when Manhattan Theatre Source was still a thing, and I was mm-hmm. doing things up the line. I remember a, every, them, yeah. Yeah, you remember? Um, And then Mm -hmm. like up at 78th Street Theater Lab when that was still a thing. And then then I met George Ferentz at La Mama. And that guy um, was like my my champion, really. And um, I ended up Mm. working with George for about, I would, you know, like 15 plus years. And we did like, oh my God, so many, so many readings, workshops, plays, um, shows um at La Mama and then at Theatre for the for the new city over on First Avenue. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of my a lot of my time was spent doing stuff downtown or like in the off off Broadway world. Um, you know, if I, I really wasn't doing anything commercial or or doing anything uh in theater where I was getting paid a lot of money or even like, you know, working in places where I could like health insurance weeks. I was doing a <laughs> yeah. lot of very, very um independent um stuff and always had day jobs and and, and ended up being very very good at, at my day jobs and um what was so, that? Yeah. Um I was a big time event planner for an energy company for many many years. Mm. And and I and I and I ended up like um planning all manner of like wonderful um events you know book launches and dinners and um you name it i kind of i kind of did it and was um i had this very yin yang experience of living in new york because um in with that job i was like spending buckets of money to put up these events and being able to see inside like wonderful venues and beautiful hotels and all of that stuff, and then you know, five o'clock would roll around, and I would like change out of my suit and like go down to La Mama and like scream at the <laughs> You know, yeah. it was a very well, um weird experience. Yeah.
2: Well, that that's a very that's a very specific New York kind of experience too. I mean, it's a very specific actors' experience, but definitely a very specific New York actors' experience yeah. so i have to ask you did you ever at, at that point you know you're seeing you know what you know money can be made in the daytime you're you know you're oh, yeah. in, the tre- in the trenches at night did you ever consider walking away from the art
0: oh all the time yes <laughs> yes are you kidding me are you, <laughs> I, yes. so what kept oh, you in God. So George Ferrance kept me in, really. I mean, so you know, there would be many oh, times, and I'd be like, "George, I'm leaving," and he's like, "You know, you can go get a job, but you're an artist. Like he and he would say he would say that to me all the time. He'd be like, "Sure, you can go, like go get a job. That's fine. Go like you need to pay your bills. You need to be able to do that. But like mm-hmm. kid, you're you're what you are is an artist. And um, so it was because of him, really. I mean, he." He championed um me a lot and and then, you know, being being in that independent theater scene, I also met like some other people who, you know, we were like, Hey, let's make a musical and let's do this, that and the other and you know, mm-hmm. my friend um Doug Silver, like um and Andrew Frank, you know, they wrote like a little musical called the Greenwich Village Follies and I got to host mm. it for many years and perform with it for Ooh. many years and and so there were like little things like that that we did that kept me like coming back but you know the fact that like I wasn't I, I was never never able to pay my rent um never able to get health insurance with this yeah I, I I I wanted to leave many many times and um and actually, the you know the the whole world kind of changed the last time I decided to leave. Um, the last time I decided to leave was when things kind of really changed. So, so I have to talk. I have to talk about my friend Geraldine. I talk about Geraldine a, a, a lot because
3: mm-hmm.
0: she was kind of like a a, a very very much a, a changing rod for me in the career you know i had been doing all these like showcase contracts and and um she came to see this this show that i did and the show was terrible and um and um we went to a diner after and she said i'll never forget her exact words she was like oh honey you were the best thing on that stage and i was like thank you so much and then she said Um, No, the fact that you were the best thing on that stage isn't a compliment. It's a problem. And um, (laughs) and I was like, oh. And then she said to me, my love, if, you know, what you're doing right now, it no longer serves you and your talent. Um, You know, if you want to play it small, that's fine. But you're playing small. Just recognize that you're playing small. And um, now, if you if you want to do something else, you have to be in bigger rooms, and you have to be in rooms that scare the shit out of you. And I was (laughs) like, "Follow the fear." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And so, um, her words were kind of like in my head but i knew i knew when that show closed that the, the thing that i would never ever 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 do again was take another showcase contract and i never mm. i never did um i don't even know if they have showcase contracts anymore but it was also like the, i i i kind of was like i've i've done this contract where i asked for little or no money and it doesn't benefit my health insurance um mm. i will never do this again I will never do this again. Um, and I so, um, w- you know, I, 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 I at this point in time had another corporate job. I was very good at it. And um, you know, at that point in time, Michael was like doing uh, his cabarets around town. You know, like up at, up at um, uh, that cafe and and at Joe's pub and so on. He would me and say hey come sing periodically um uh I had my my Greenwich Village Follies show that we would like put up every year or so and like you know run for a few months and da 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 and like you know um so I always knew that there would be something creative in my life but I was like I don't think I'm going to pursue this anymore because um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not able to make a career doing it, and so I made the decision to like leave, and I was good. I was, you know, I was going to be like Patty Lapone and, and give up my equity card and like go, okay, that's it, I'm done. And um <laughs> and and literally two days later, I got a call from McCorkle Casting, who I had not auditioned for in like oh, fifteen years. And they asked if I knew how to do a Jamaican accent. And that changed <laughs> everything. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's,
2: that's a great story. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and how long ago was that?
0: Oh, my God. That was maybe now about like mm-hmm. seven, eight years ago, something like that, maybe. Um hmm Uh, I, I don't, you know, I have to, I have to, I have to check the tape on that, but I ended up doing the Bob (laughs) Marlin musical, um, at Baltimore center stage. And at the time it was the most money I'd ever made. The biggest show I'd ever done. The first time I'd ever done a show that had like automation and, you know, Mm -hmm. projection and, um, you know, a hundred soundboard and like all the bells and whistles. It was the first time I'd ever like done anything like that. And I just kept hearing oh, man, nice. Um, You know, I just kept hearing Geraldine in my head going, you got to be in bigger spaces. You got to be in bigger spaces. That's scary. And I thought, oh, this is a much bigger space than I've ever been in. You know, like, so how, do I, how, do I, how do I show up for this? And how do I, you know, um,
2: well, look, look, I'm, thing. yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you because I know you're on the clock, and I, I want to wrap this up uh, and get you out within the time you need to get out. Uh, but oh, I, I got a couple of, cup, couple of quick questions for you before we send you off into, into that good night or a good mid-afternoon or whatever the hell. <laughs> um, uh, the first thing is, is uh, now, what what is the closing date? Actually, I guess there's three questions. What is the tr- closing date for a strange loop? So it closes on
0: Broadway January fifteenth at the Lyceum theater, so come and see us uh on go January 15th go now on Broadway.
2: <laughs> and so so i I bring that up and forgive me for bringing that up but i I bring that up to ask, do you have anything in your sights as to what comes next for you you personally?
0: yeah, I don't know, um, you know, um, I've had some auditions for things, but like nothing has been like you know. Oh, hey! Here's a contract for this, 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 or we're interested in you in this, for this, 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 this.
2: So you then know, me, um, let me ask you, how does that, how does that feel? Uh, you're you're on Broadway right now and you're auditioning. That must be a little surreal.
3: I mean,
0: everybody on Broadway's auditioning. Like you know, I mean, yeah. The the, the, the thing about it is, is, like, there's a difference between being an actor and being a star. I can say that I'm yeah. an actor on Broadway. I'm not a star on Broadway, you know. So, like, uh, the Sutton Fosters and the Hugh Jackman's of the world, <laughs> they don't audition. But um, the rest of us are auditioning, baby. <laughs> I, no,
2: no, I understand that. And I didn't mean to suggest that you were above that. But I just, I, I meant for for me, see, I'm picturing myself and I'm thinking the headspace of, like, oh, God, I need this job. And then, you know, <laughs> hitting, hitting the Broadway lights, you know,
0: it's it's same planet, different world. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is kind of same planet, different world. Um, but it's but it's also like, um, I mean, I guess like same planet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Same planet, different world. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. But it but it is also like there is a different um there is like a different plateau because like things Mm -hmm. have come up that are like, um, like I just got to do a a lecture at a university. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, you know, uh, a university um, hired me to come and, and do a masterclass and give uh, like the the major lecture for their year, um, which was, which was exciting. And so things like that have shown up, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. there, there, there is like a weird thing of like, now that I, I don't know that I, I have more or less talent um, now that I've been on Broadway, but <laughs> having Broadway as a part of the title or as, a, as associated with my name has legitimized my career in a way where people then go, oh, well, you've, you've done Broadway, come speak to these kids.
3: You know what I mean, mm-hmm.
0: you've done this kind of thing, um come speak to these kids and and so so Tony nominee and Broadway performer um has its benefits because like things like that have shown up. you know what I mean yeah, but I'm still, yeah, yeah, I'm still auditioning, yeah, I'm still auditioning <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, so the last
2: thing before before we we send you off um. I know that I first saw you when you were a part of one of our Uptown Cabaret shows. I think the first thing I ever saw you do was a wonderful composition uh, by Rachel Peters called yes. Santa Ain't Black, which we mm-hmm. have adopted as our official no-name holiday song. If, uh <laughs> If if you if you and Rachel uh agree to let us use it, we'll probably use that to close out this episode when it when it's finally put together. Um, oh, can you I'm so me, happy. i you tell I what, we'll talk at another point about it. Like you know, it, I'm totally okay with using the the version we have off of YouTube, but if there's something better, anyway. The the main thing I don't want to ask you. Uh, it, it, <laughs> when did she first bring that to you? I would love to see that in a show on Broadway or or on, in a I, I wanna see that song as, as many times as possible. That that's ah, just old up for me. Um, um uh, when, you when know, did you first encounter that?
0: So like Rachel so I was do you know, so I was doing things for Michael um, and every once in a while Rachel would ask me to come and do you remember Cornelia Street Cafe used to have this like yes, little yes. What, Cornelia Street Cafe. So she used to do a lot of things um down at Cornelia because she was doing a mm. lot of um her opera stuff and um, you know, she was kind of like leaving musical theater and but every every once in a while when she had like a musical theater song, she'd be like, Hey, you wanna come sing this at <laughs> Cornelia Street uh, and um uh and so the first time we ever did it was at Cornelia Street she's cuz i think was it Cornelia Street?
2: Oh, Cornelia so, Street so, or
0: maybe the duplex? No. So i think it was it was so you remember this guy, i wish i could remember his name. He does a lot of stuff at Lincoln Center. There's the the performing arts um, library, there's an auditorium called the Wal- Walter Bruno. Oh,
3: yeah, he, yeah.
0: Guy, um Oh, why, I, why can't I think of his name? But he does a lot of things with like up up and coming composers. And he had mm-hmm. done, um, so she had written this thing um, for to submit as a new Christmas song. So he had put <laughs> out a challenge for people to write like new Christmas songs. And so she was like, I wrote this thing. I don't know that this guy will ever accept it because, you know, <laughs> it's called Santa in black. And she had like a thing at Cornelia street cafe. And so I think the first time we did it was at Cornelia street because she's like, I don't know that this guy will ever accept this thing as, um mm-hmm. as part of his, of, of his show. And so we did it there and then the guy accepted it. Cause I remember them singing it at like the Walter Bruno. So I can't, on, on this, that was the first and only place that I sang it, and then we sang it. Um, then um, I got a call from her saying, "Hey, Eric at Uptown wants to to do the thing because I think Alex DeSouce was at or was performing at that concert, whatever concert it was." Ah, that, okay, that yeah, no, that was
2: Alex. The the show we did Uptown was Alex's Baby. I I, I co-produced it and sort of semi-co-hosted it, but that was was her brainchild, and she's the one who brought folks like Rachel and Michael and yourself
0: Uh, into the loop. Okay, 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 okay. Because I think she was at whatever that concert was, Alex was there, and so mm-hmm. when when you when she was planning or doing whatever for the Christmas thing at the Uptown, um, you know, uh, we got invited to go. And of course, I knew Alex from Boston. So when I was working professionally ah. in um, in Boston, um, Alex and I did I think the Boston premiere of Once on This Island together. Ah, um, and so. We had a blast, and like I, I mean, I loved Alex from then, and so then it was just like such a thrill to be like I, I don't like I was walking around the city one day, and like I'm like, oh my god, is that Alex the And it's like, oh my god, you know, and then like just to kind of realize that we both kind of like landed here in the city, and so um, yeah, and then because Rachel was also a Boston girl. Um, mm-hmm. I think she and Alex knew each other from Boston as well. And so I believe it, so. Yeah. It just was one of those. Yeah. Chance encounter kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you, you, you gave us a,
2: an evergreen there, you and Rachel. So <laughs> Listen, you got to get out of here. I just want to thank you for spending some time with us, coming to play with us and, uh, yes. uh, keep doing your good work, man. All right.
0: Thank you, Eric. Take care of yourself.
1: Take care. Be in touch. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was our conversation with John Andrew Morrison. I I just love this guy. And and if you haven't seen the show, it's the Tony winning best musical for the year, A Strange Loop. Go check it out now. You've still got time. It closes. It's scheduled to close on January 15th but this is an important show. It's it's a landmark show and, and most, most of all, it's an entertaining show. Go, check it out now. Uh, so thanks to John Andrew Morrison for playing with us with our weird hookup for that day. Uh, all right, so we're going to get out of here uh, in a minute, uh, but I want to thank everybody who helped put this one together. First of all, our, our producer, The Wizard of Ooze and Oz, Gary Hardcastle. Also assisting with some sound stuff on, on this episode, Miles, mix appeal, blue spruce. Uh, the, the theme music was written and performed by King of the Hill, Courtney Hill. Also assisting us on this episode, uh, production assistant, Stanley Rescio. And this time for the first time, the production assistant has an assistant. That is Jeremy Pueyo. Uh, thanks one and all. All right. So we're going to close out today. Uh, With a song from John Andrew Morrison, it's a Rachel Peters composition. Rachel Peters is an amazing composer nowadays, writing mostly opera. But uh, she wrote this a few years ago. Uh, It's a wonderful holiday-themed song. We consider it No Name's official, unofficial holiday song. Now, we apologize in advance for sound quality. It was pulled from a YouTube clip, so it's not pristine. But it's an awesome and funny song sung by our guest, John Andrew Morrison. Enjoy. Until next time, this is Eric Vetter. I love you all.
3: Time. There's a line goes up, down, out, around, and out the door Toddlers, nannies, frat boys, army wives, one pet and hundreds more And they shriek and they pee and they never say please Still I promise a mountain of barbies And that fast auto for place. please oh, no. <laughs> sitting could be so exhausting offered in boogers and buttercream frosting Beer tangled, I'm a mess of spirit done, And one girl sweet as any sugar plum Blondering ringlets, bright blue eyes, and a pretty white dress for, her for a walk. Only nine alone in line with her mother at the spa, leaving part to shop. And she sits and she smiles and she makes me smile back. She says, Mister, you seem like a nice man, but you ain't Santa, because Santa ain't black. her algae facial Santa tries to be (laughs) post-racial Oh little one, Santa is all the colours of the rainbow Oh little one, Santa is all the colours of your heart Oh little one, Christmas is all the colours of the rainbow Oh, little one, help me stop before I start. I'ma bring this child to an Angela Davis. I'ma bring this child to Malcolm X. I'ma show this child the meaning of Christmas. Ain't nothing like the world that's next. Santa eat the crumbs from my dollar store cookies. Santa be a shoe for corporate greed. Santa get your Black, Santa ain't brown, Santa ain't red, Santa ain't green, cause Santa ain't real. <laughs> mm. Mm. So now I'm out of a job. <laughs> oh, I did right. Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Woo!